Heather Stephenson is the first woman to be premier in the history of Manitoba after winning the progressive conservative leadership race after the departure of Brian Pallister. But her victory is being challenged by runner-up Shelley Glover, who says there were irregularities in the vote and that she is the rightful premier. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. Winnipeg Sun columnist Josh Aldrich joins me to discuss some of the problems with the leadership vote, why Glover feels they mean she's won, and what Stephenson's first priorities will be as premier. Don't forget you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, we're even on Amazon Music now. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Josh, I do want to get to the saga that's tied up Manitoba politics this week in a little bit, but I want to kind of walk us down the road to how we got there. This all was started with the departure of Manitoba Premier Brian Pallister. Why exactly did he decide now is the time to exit politics and start a leadership race? There's a few things at play there. The overarching, I think his overarching plan was to exit sometime this term because he's in his mid to late 60s. I think he's 67. And I don't think he was ever going to run again. So there was always going to be an exit strategy out of this. However, his popularity numbers were plummeting. A lot of this is due to how he's, well, mishandled the third wave of the pandemic where Manitoba became the first province in Canada to be shipping ICU patients out of province to other ICU beds in Ontario, Saskatchewan, and Alberta. But then in June, in the fallout of the discovery of unmarked graves at different former residential school sites, there was a lot of uproar in Manitoba. They had their own unmarked graves discovered in years past. And Pallister has never really been seen as somebody who's had great relations with Indigenous people in this province. And a lot of times it has been very conflict-oriented. Then on July 1, on Canada Day, there were two really big rallies in Winnipeg. One was a very peaceful march down Portage Avenue all the way to the Canadian Museum for Human Rights. And then after that ended, there was really almost a riot at the uh, legislature grounds where they toppled two very prominent statues, one of Queen Victoria and one of Queen Elizabeth II. It took Pallister about a week to respond to it publicly. And at that point, he made some very tone-deaf remarks in what he thought was going to be this long, drawn-out, very eloquent speech of his. Basically, he ended up justifying settlers coming over here, wanting to build better, and we're going to build better again. So the whole, whole, whole idea of colonization just kind of seemed lost on him. And in the fallout of the residential school system discoveries and everything in the spotlight, it was met with a lot of blowback. As Indigenous Affairs Minister Eileen Clark resigned uh, in the days following that because to her, it was just kind of the last straw. Her replacement, Dr. Alan Lajmodier, just minutes after being sworn in, in his first statements, he tried to justify residential school systems, saying that they're just trying to get the Indigenous students prepared and give them skills, although they may have been wrongheaded in the way they did. I can't remember the exact quote, but he basically tried to justify the residential school systems. That, of course, blew up immediately. Coming out of that, it took almost a full month for Pallister to publicly respond to the situation. 
And when he did, he said, oh, I was uh, misinterpreted, mm -hmm. I believe was his quote. People took my comments the wrong way. It's basically what he ended up saying. And that just continued the downward spiral. And at that point, it almost looked like it was an unrecoverable situation for him. And two years out from the next election, he's like, okay, this is a time for me to get step away, even though there's a number of things that I want he wanted to accomplish yet. But he viewed this as the best time to step away so that the party could rebrand itself, give itself two years to build a new momentum under a new leader. So that's what he did. September 1, he officially called it quits. We're barely two months past his departure, and there's already a new PC leader and premier in Manitoba. How did the leadership race stack up? Like, you know, it seems like it was a really rushed timeline. Was there enough of a competition to elect a new leader? How did the race shake out? Were there natural candidates to replace him, or did it just kind of focus on one person? It was very much focused on one person, and it almost seemed like a coronation for Heather Stephenson, who's a career politician. She has been a cabinet minister of Pallister since 2016. She's filled a number of different roles in his cabinet, uh, including health minister, families minister, and I believe justice minister. She's not the most engaging individual. She does struggle in front of the media, answering questions and going off the talking notes, uh, having to be, when she's pushed on certain talking notes, she has a lot of difficulty with that. My understanding of her, she's great behind the scenes. She's well-liked by caucus, but when you're trying to rally the base coming out of a controversial time, it seemed like an interesting pick to kind of designate as this is going to be our person. Mm -hmm. Even before the candidates were set, they kept going on about we're going to have the first female premier in Manitoba's history. It's going to be great. And Heather's name is already being thrown out there. And it seemed like this is where all the momentum was, even though there, I think there are potentially more viable candidates out there than Heather Stephenson with really great resumes who are also women, all the rest. It just seemed weird to zero in on Heather Stephenson. Ultimately, who else ran against her? There's one other person who ran against her, and that was Shelley Glover, who's a former cabinet minister under Stephen Harper. But even the way that came down to being was a little different. There was a really short candidacy run-up to decide who the candidates were going to be. They were only given a few weeks to sell 1,000 memberships, raise $25,000 as an entry fee. And there were a few other people who did throw their hat in the ring. Shannon Martin, he's a uh, Tory backbencher and probably the most progressive of the candidates. A couple of days before the deadline, he said, we're definitely going to sell the memberships. We're only a couple short. He ended up being about a couple hundred short, so he didn't make the cut. The other person was Ken Lee, who's a former chief financial officer for the party. He's also very much out on the fringes of the party in terms of anti-vaccine mandates and really leaning hard into some of the more right-wing politics out there and really kind of rallied around the federal People's Party of Canada kind of momentum that they built up through the federal election. And he was rejected outright by the party, despite more than selling a thousand membership requirements and coming up with the $25,000 entry fee, no problem. My understanding is he probably sold more memberships than any other candidate, but he was rejected outright during the interview process. No reason was given for this. Hmm. So we ended up with Shelley Glover, she was quite interesting in a lot of her media veils. Once Ken Lee left or was rejected outright, she really started courting his supporters, talking about vaccine mandates and 
people being fired for not getting vaccinated and questioning the chief provincial public health officer, Dr. Brent Rusin, and saying he's not listening to the right people. We should be looking at alternative treatments, all this other stuff. It, it really leaning hard into a lot of the language surrounding the hydroxychloroquine arguments and all this other stuff. So she's really courting that segment of the population, that segment of the membership pretty hard. And a lot of was she's throwing a lot of misinformation out there. And it was it was kind of dangerous some of the stuff she was saying in terms of vaccine hesitancy. So it comes down to the, the week or two leading up to the election, which was on October 30th, so this past Saturday. And all of a sudden, there's all sorts of reports coming out there about people not receiving their ballots. This this election was supposed to be done almost entirely by mail-in ballot. Due to the pandemic, they wanted to limit the close quarters for people. Mm-hmm. And I know a few people personally who did not receive their ballots or were seeking a different ballot or a new ballot because there was an issue with their current ballot. So they contacted the party well ahead of time. And there's many reports of different people. I think it ended up being estimates are somewhere between 1,200 and 1,600 people who did not actually receive their ballots. All these reports are out there. Election still goes ahead. And now coming out of the election itself, there's all sorts of questions about how the actual election was executed on election night and the counting of ballots. There's all sorts of spreadsheets out there that are showing incorrect numbers on ballots cast and ballots counted and there's uh, people saying, oh, or scrutineers out there on social media saying, oh, well, they twisted my numbers. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of issues in and of that. So that's kind of where we are now. And it's gone to court Thursday morning. So that's kind of where we're at now. But the courts aren't even sure if they can adjudicate over it, if they have jurisdiction over it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she also went to the Lieutenant Governor, Janice C. Philman, to see if they could stop the swearing-in ceremony, which took place on Tuesday and that did not happen either because she's a nonpartisan uh, representative of the Queen. And all she needs is the candidate who's put forward by the party. And of course, Heather Stephenson was put forward by the party. So, sorry, when you say she, you mean that Shelley Glover, unhappy with her defeat and concerned about what she calls irregularities in the vote, approached the lieutenant governor who, who yes. oversees the legislature, doesn't necessarily have a say in party politics yeah. and wants the lieutenant governor to step in. That is correct. She sent. Uh, she had her lawyer send a letter to the lieutenant governor on Monday morning asking her to delay the swearing-in of the new premier, Heather Stephenson, which was scheduled for Tuesday afternoon. While Heather Stephenson was being sworn in, Jelly Glover went out, contacted different members of the media and said, she's not the premier, I'm the premier. She repeated this line in various forms to different members of the media And I think uh, it did spawn a number of viral memes coming out of it. (laughs) It just lends itself to that. It came off of a lot of sour grapes there, but I do understand her frustrations about it. I don't think she necessarily has a legal leg to stand on because the parties themselves are kind of separate entities unto themselves. They set their rules. They can choose how they want to choose a leader, however they want. You know, she says that Heather Stephenson is not the premier. I'm the premier. Is she basing that just on allegations of irregularities or does she claim that she has the votes that put her over Heather Stephenson? What is the rationale for her saying that she's the premier? She's claiming she has the votes based off of the unsubstantiated claims that she's heard from 
scrutineers who were Shelley Glover volunteers based off of these spreadsheets. And the fact that there were 9,000 votes that did not actually get cast out of the roughly 25,000 memberships that were sold or renewed. And it was a close race because she only lost by about 363 votes, I think was the final tally. Wow. So there were uh, a number of issues right there. Although over 60% of people did vote that in most elections, that'd be considered pretty high. But considering the interest in the specific election and the fact that there were 20,000 memberships sold over in a very short period of time, which is the reason for a lot of the issues that the party itself had in getting votes out to people so clumsily handled. So she's claiming she's premier based off of these rumors and innuendo off of the uh, spreadsheets that they have that show the discrepancies. But at the end of the day, it's Heather Stephenson who was sworn in on Tuesday. So it's caused a lot of potential for new parties to be started here. Mm -hmm. And I know there's a number of movements or at least a few serious movements out there to start parties. Whether or not they actually come to fruition is another thing. But it'll be very interesting to see if she sticks with this or if she uh, pushing for the PC leadership uh, or if she's able to uh, capitalize on her momentum and decides to jump to a different party or form another party with this as kind of that alternative conservative voice, alternative conservative party. So it'd be quite interesting to see what that what really comes out out of this. And. Looming over this is just two years before the next election. The party has major, major issues within it because of how this was all handled. So there's potentially an opportunity for her to make another run at the PC leadership if Heather Stephenson isn't able to rally the base and they fall hard in the next election. If PCs lose government, I'm not sure she sticks around as leader. We could see kind of a Kim Campbell situation here. Although Mm -hmm. Kim Campbell, I think, was only 130 days or something like that as uh, prime minister. What has Heather Stephenson said about this controversy, about the allegations that the leadership race wasn't handled properly and the fact that, you know, someone else is the rightful premier? She's tried to rise above it. She's disappointed that this is the tact that Shelley Glover has taken and I think that's a bit of an understatement. She hasn't made anything in terms of a statement that's too controversial. She says the party has assured her everything was done legitimately, uh, just leaning off of comments that were made during the convention that kind of broke down how the vote took place and the efforts that they made to get to voters who had trouble getting votes in. So she believes she's the rightful premier, that she won legitimately. And in the court case, she's not even sure what role she will play as a defendant in the court case, or if she's going to be an intervener, or if she's going to be a party at all, if she's just going to avoid it altogether and let it be a a court case between Shelley Glover and the PC party. Mm -hmm. So we won't know about that until I think November 15th, when her uh, legal representation, which was present yesterday, said that they would have a decision made on her role as to the court case. Getting past this and looking ahead to the next two years until the next election, as mentioned, the PC party has faced a lot of controversies in the run-up to all of this. What are uh, Heather Stephenson's priorities now as premier? What is she looking to focus on in the next two years? I think top of her list, even though she may not say it, has got to be uniting the party Mm -hmm. and filling in those massive caverns there because these uh, issues are very regional. 
So if she loses some of the, her support on the far right, well, then she's lost a lot of rural Manitoba, and especially in the south where they're very hesitant about getting vaccinated. So she's really got to unite the party, which would help unite the province. In doing so, she's been very vague on what her agenda is going to be. The very few things that she said she will do is she'll increase the number of ICU beds, which is much easier said than done, especially at current staffing levels among nurses. And that's an issue most provinces are facing right now. So I think she's going to look to the immigrant community and really kind of focus on getting people who are nurses in other countries before they came here, uh, get their training up to uh, the levels required in Manitoba and try to get them into the healthcare system here. That's one thing she's going to do. She's also going to focus on the economy and getting the economy going during the pandemic or coming out of the pandemic. And uh, Manitoba has actually done fairly well in getting the economy restarted here in the later stages of the pandemic. And there's been financial reports out there that have kind of verified that as well. But again, staffing and employment is a big issue, and she's really going to try to activate the immigrant community there as well. But there haven't been a lot of immigrants coming to Manitoba over the last two years because of the pandemic. So that's going to be tricky. Uh, And a lot of that, that's federal jurisdiction as well in getting immigrants into the country. So she might be a little bit tied up there. But those are the two big things that she zeroed in on. She repeated over and over and over again on Tuesday afternoon in her first press availability that she's going to be listening, she's going to be listening, she's going to be listening. But it would have been nice to have a few more ideas out of her as opposed to just listening, especially considering the cabinet positions she's held over the last five years, she should have a better idea of where the issues are and what needs to be done. Great that she's listening. And as she said, Manitobans haven't been listened to in a very long time, a bit of a veiled backhanded shot at Pallister, but she should have a little bit better idea. I think in terms of agenda, some of the goals that she should be shooting out there for what could be a very short term and a lot of work to do in two years. Two years sounds like a lot of time, but in politics, it it can go by pretty quickly, especially considering the uh, meat grinder that the legislature can be. We'll be paying attention to to how this court case goes, this challenge of the PC leadership results in Manitoba, and obviously how Heather Stephenson does in her first stretch as premier of Manitoba. Josh, thanks for your time. Absolutely no problem. Anytime. 10.3 is produced by Sean Knox, theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Josh Aldrich. More from him at winnipegsun.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm